Hey guys, it's Lori here. Just letting you know that this episode is brought to you by the Christian Standard Bible. Learn more at csbible.com. Hello and welcome to the Hole in My Heart podcast. This is episode 188, How to Discover Your Identity. Mm-hmm. Mm. We're going to talk identity today. Yes, welcome to the Hole in My Heart podcast, where we talk about how the gospel is good news for everyone, every day. I'm your host, Lori Krieg, and I do have alongside me my favorite licensed therapist and Argyle enthusiast, my husband, Matt Krieg. Hello. And Star Wars enthusiast, <laughs> along with other nerdy things. We should just... Say that mm-hmm. we do have with us the ever faithful and most professional radio voice among us producer steve hi guys hey steve guys this conversation was so sweet did you tear up at that one part you know what i'm thinking about uh yes the story the story yes i did tear up i don't know if you can you could probably see it on the youtubes <laughs> yeah i have, could see it on the real life and on the youtubes guys we do have this episode on youtube if you want to watch it with our friend bonnie gray where we're talking about identity she shares some stories uh, of her childhood that um are gripping as well as uh, really informative about how she invited Jesus into that pain, her journey with PTSD, anxiety, depression, and just how God, um, when she was in her 40s, she didn't like check out on herself, but she went back into her past and really discovered who she truly was and is. And we talk waffles and cookies. And cookies so and we're, pancakes and hiking. And what? And pancakes and hiking. Yeah. <laughs> and serotonin. All the, all the things. Guys, I'm excited for you to hear it and... Here it comes. Guys, I am so excited to welcome to the show today our new friend of the podcast, Bonnie Gray. Bonnie is the author of Whispers of Rest, Finding Spiritual White Space, and Sweet Like Jasmine. That's the book we're going to be talking about today. I have a copy of it in my hands if you guys are watching this on YouTube, but the subtitle is Finding Identity in a Culture of Loneliness. Excited to dive into talking about identity, but she is an inspirational speaker and a podcast host of Breathe, the Stress Less Podcast. And she touches thousands of lives using storytelling, soul care, and prayer. And she lives in California with her husband and two sons. We're going to link to all of those things at the end. But Bonnie, welcome. It's so good to have this virtual cup of coffee with you, Lori. Oh, we're so glad to have you. Matt is going to pitch you our first question that we have for you that we've asked everybody since the show began yeah so before we really dive into the just the content the heart of what we want to talk about today we would love to ask you the same question we ask everyone which is if the gospel is i am more loved than i imagine yet more sinful than i believe how did you first get to know the gospel story as good news and how is it still good news today well you know i was an early reader and um, books were my first friends and my only friends. I didn't have a typical growing up childhood where I could invite friends to my house or I could go over to their house. You know, um, we'll get into this later, but I am the oldest in a single parent family. I'm the only person in my family that spoke English growing up. So I had a lot of responsibilities. So as an early reader, I just like loved reading people's stories. So when I first heard the gospel, it was at an evangelical meeting and I was actually pretty bored in church and going to visit church because I never understood what people were saying up at the pulpit. And we didn't have a children's program. So all the kids sat in the back of the church and we just waited until it was break time. We get raid the donuts at the table and run around like crazy. But that night we had a special speaker and he just spoke 
like regular, <laughs> meaning he was just this everyday person telling a story. So he had me because he said that there was a prince that really wanted to be close to the everyday people. But every time he went into the city, everybody would just bow down and not want to really talk around him. And he decided to go incognito to be one of the people and take off his robes and be one of the people. So, I mean, he had me, right? It sounded like a fairy tale. Mm -hmm. And um, what really shocked me, though, I kind of knew where the story was going to go because, you know, I've read so many fairy tales. This prince, pretending to be an everyday person, suddenly was accused of a crime. And I thought, okay, this is where the protagonist stands up and gives a soliloquy and He's going to get out of it. Everybody will rush to his aid. But the story didn't go that way. It said that nobody came to his defense and he died. And I was like, what? I was like, I don't like this story. What? <laughs> Why is he telling this story? I don't like this story. This story is terrible. And we know as believers that this prince turned out to be Jesus. And that he's the son of God. And he said the reason why he died is because he doesn't want us to be alone. Hmm. So then we, you know, it's almost like a movie, the way he told the story. We shot into this moment in the garden where Jesus is just bawling and crying. And he said, I, I don't want this cup. Can you take it away from me? And I have to just tell you, Matt um, and Lori, that moment, I just felt that I understood him and he understood me. The Jesus I met was the lonely Jesus mm. because there was nobody there around him. And so as a little child, as a little girl, I cried myself to sleep all the time. And I always asked, you know, into the air, like, why is my life like this? Why am I like this? And I just felt so lonely. That scene, I could just say it's, you know, God just, reached into my heart and said, I understand your loneliness. I know what it's like to be lonely. And in that moment, I just said, okay, this story is so crazy and weird. Like, why would somebody die so that I don't have to be alone? I just said, if you are real, you're going to be the one that I need in my life because I don't want to be alone. I don't want to be lonely anymore. I'm so lonely. Mm. So it's a, it's kind of a long story, but I, I love telling it because I'm more loved than I believed I was because someone understood my loneliness. And I'm more sinful than I thought I was because I thought I was doing my best to be like the, the strong, you know, oldest in the family, taking care of everybody. But it's like Jesus just saw through all that and says, no, I don't look at your strengths. I look at your need. And so... For me, sin was more about my longing, something that I needed. It wasn't like, a, oh, you did something wrong. Does that make sense? It was more like, I'm broken. Like, I, I'm lonely. I need, I need something. I need love. Mm -hmm. That makes a lot of sense. So how do you still experience that good news of the gospel today? I think that's what keeps me really close to Jesus. And he's still that same loving, gentle shepherd that understands my loneliness. I think for some of us, those that are listening or those that are going through the pandemic, which is everybody, we've all been touched by loneliness. And now more than ever, we just like long for God to be close. It's not good enough to know about God anymore. 
I I need to feel that God is close to me. So I am still very close to God because I I'm in touch with my need. I'm in touch with my loneliness, even as an adult. And I don't see that as something shameful. I see that as beautiful, even in like in a marriage with my husband and I, because my husband notices, you know, how I'm feeling, how I'm doing. He he draws towards me. Mm-hmm. And it's in that intimacy of sharing with him my my trouble that we we love each other. So I, I have that same kind of feel, that same kind of chemistry with God. I've kept it since I was a little girl. Can you talk a little bit more about that chemistry with God when it came to your loneliness? So I was actually praying with one of my daughters last night who was talking about some pain in her life. And I actually used a line that I got from your book because I had just read it. And I said, daughter, I said, can you let Jesus carry your pain with you? And so when you talk about your relationship with Jesus and this loneliness you had, you were, were you just reflecting in your book on what you now with now's awareness that Jesus was with you? Or did you actually experience Jesus holding your pain with you? For me, it was feeling it. Hmm. Because I've always known it. So like, you know, at different points in your life, you know, those like times when it's really sweet, you're like worshiping God, you feel his nearness, you feel him understand your pain. But for things that are really traumatic, you know, things that like you're just getting through it, or you're trying to figure out how to solve the problem, you don't feel that closeness at the moment. It's only later as you know, I go back and I have to process it. Um, And for me, it's my body, meaning I experienced anxiety, I experienced depression, I experienced panic attacks, you know, it was my body is the one that tells me like, Bonnie, you can't just pass go on here. Like, you actually are not feeling that good. And that's really a hard thing for me because, you know, we grow up, we kind of want to let go of kind of those, we might think they're childish, you know, like, come on, be mature in faith, just like move on. But God kind of reminds me, you're always going to be my daughter. That means I'm always going to be interested in, in what hurts you. And in order for you to know that I love you, you kind of have to open yourself up, Bonnie, and let me, let me in. And um, those are hard because when we're in pain, the types of things we say to God are things like, why, why me? Why does this happen? Or I don't know what to do. I'm scared. It's like experiencing God carrying that pain. I think it's beautiful, Lori, that you said to your daughter, you know, let, allow God to carry that pain. And I think that you're going to be the stand-in. Mm-hmm. You're going to be that person where she confides in all the scary things and all the things that are not resolved. And it takes so much strength on your part to just hold her there and not try to fix it. Mm-hmm. But that that is what she's going to experience as relief. Because everything in the world demands that we fix our problems and get get it, you know, move on. Yep. so that you can get things done, you know. So this is the refuge we offer to each other. It's like, you know what? This is going to be painful. This is hard. Mm. But I'm here. I'm here. I'm listening. Yeah. So so you mentioned that, that you you experience anxiety, you, you experience depression. And, I mean, can you tell us a little bit just about, you know, how that was, was maybe some formative experiences for, for your journey and discovering just your identity? Yeah, you know, my identity has always been the strong one, the encourager and the kind of like the teacher type. Like, that's how I got through my hard times, kind of like telling myself, 
you know, one, two, three, do this, do that. You know, don't worry about how you're feeling. It can't change anything. That's kind of what happens when, um, and you know, because you've kind of read through my story, I, I wasn't parented in a loving, graceful way. There's no space to talk about how you feel. Like, that's like the opposite. It's like, don't tell me anything that's not going to help this family. Just be quiet and, you know. And But I had to learn, um, but to my surprise, that um, I need to tend to those moments where I can't, I can't put my heart to the side. And it's interesting that happened when I became a mom, when I thought, hey, I'm going to create a new family, have a legacy of faith where I'm going to teach my children how to be strong in the Lord. And it was in that moment, as an adult, I started experiencing anxiety and panic attacks, not as a child. Mm. And so it was kind of odd. Because I was like, why is this happening now? I, I'm in a loving relationship. My husband's a very loving person. I got married later in life. So at the time, um, I'd been working for 15 years already when I was single. So I wasn't worried about money at the time as an early you know, young mom. And um, I was having panic attacks out of the blue. And it was like a secret thing because I didn't want anybody to know. I was a Bible teacher in my church. I was a Christian author. It's almost like my worst fear was that something was broken inside me, mm. you know, well, I mean, like I, I would rather be sick physically um, than to say, have this, you know, mental health issue. <laughs> I did it secretly. I went to this therapist and I said, Hey, I go, what can we do? I need to solve this. I don't know why I'm waking up choking every, every two hours at night. And I, I, I wake up and I just, I just feel like my brain's in a fog and I'm just like obsessing over worries. I don't know why. And it's funny, within one minute, he says, oh, that's typical PTSD. Mm. I'm like, I, I'm not seeing anything violent. I'm not a soldier. That's the only thing I knew about PTSD was soldiers. And he said, well, did you know that emotional abuse and verbal abuse has the same impact mm. as physical abuse? Mm. And I did not know that. And we were talking like I was 40. I got married later, so I had my second baby at 40. I, I had no idea. I didn't know that. So I was still in denial. I said, but why is it happening now? And I could see that I was starting to defend myself and say, well, I pray, I read the Bible. You know, it's like those protective defenses. Like I have a loving marriage. It's almost like the things we don't want people to think there's something wrong with us. You know, I started listing them. He said, Bonnie, it's, did you know that a soldier doesn't experience panic attacks or anxiety when he's on the battlefield? when he's being strong and resourceful and helping others. It's only when you return back home, when you're safe. Hmm. So the way God made our nervous system, he started to tell me is that in the times of survival, getting through hard times, God protects us. We don't feel it. Our body doesn't feel that stress. It's only when we feel safe that we experience uh, our body relaxes and then it experiences what we could not at the time. And so that took away my shame. That that changed the whole direction. I said, oh, okay. And I said, um, so there's nothing wrong with my faith. He's like, no, it's opposite. It's because you've been strong. Now it's a different way to use your faith, not to be strong, but to be vulnerable, to mm -hmm. look at the things you've put to the side. So that began my journey of healing. Mm -hmm. So why is it for someone, so you've experienced capital T trauma and lowercase t trauma. We've talked about that on the podcast. So that'd be like significant. They're all significant 
for people listening, but some would be more like abuse or verbal emotional abuse, um, <clears throat> sexual trauma, or things like just neglect or just our parents not caring for our hearts. Um, again, all significant. Why do traumas or even PTSD diagnoses, et cetera, often become our identity? Like, why do, why do we live out of those? Yeah, I don't think I live out of it. I see it more as that's something that, um, that happens to me, but it's not who I am. Hmm. So it's just like you have a flu, you have a cold. It's, it's not who you are. It's just something that you're going through. Mm -hmm. And so it's actually very transformative because once I realized it wasn't my faith, because that was my greatest fear is like, oh, is there something, some sin I haven't addressed? Is it like, like many Christians would say, oh, maybe you haven't forgiven your mom. Maybe it's unforgiveness. So now you're plagued with this anxiety. And I was like, really? I, I felt so terrible. I go, oh my gosh, I must have some sin. But I went through, I go, I don't think so. I mean, I'm the same Bonnie, you know, 24 hours ago before I started having panic attacks. Like, I, I don't think this is that affliction. As I learned more about PTSD, I learned that um, it's actually a freeing thing to uh, go back to the places where we've been hurt and find out, God, what do you want to say to me? What is it that, you know, when I went through it the first time, I just had to get through it. But now that I'm going through and, and looking at those pieces, what is it that you want me to um, change about the way I see myself? So it's actually becoming like my my true identity. I think that the trauma shows me where my true identity was hidden. Hmm. Yeah, I took on a different identity. I took on the identity of caregiver. I took on the identity of I don't want conflict, so I'm going to say yes to my detriment. It doesn't matter what it costs to me. That's that's the identity that I, I took on. The other identity I took on is that um, I, I can take care of myself hmm. and I don't need to let other people know my weaknesses. You know, that, that's yeah. the identity I took on. Another identity I took on is I can be content without too much joy or peace. I, I don't really need it in my life. It's nice as a kind of byproduct if I serve others, but I, I don't really, I, I put myself last because I want to serve others. These are, these are not true identity. These are the mm -hmm. things that I did to maintain the peace or to mm -hmm. gain acceptance. Yeah. So I think that my, my traumas, you know, as I healed them, I was able to say, oh, okay, that actually was just me trying to survive and, and fit in and have people allow me to join them. And that's not my true identity. So I see that trauma is more like uh, a beautiful way of uncovering. We, we don't, we can let these go. The, these, these are not part of my true identity. Mm -hmm. So you, you said that the, the places you would go back to kind of and, and revisit are the places where your true identity was hidden. Um, yes. You know, and so it's like you're trying to uncover, you know, the real Bonnie that you were created to be rather than just the stoically strong and capable one. Um, you know, but are there other ways, like, I mean, going back in that introspective work and, and really asking God, like, who, who am I? But, but were there other ways that you feel like you really started to discover that, that true identity? I guess in terms of my healing journey, that was my, my journey because I would have continued in this um, identity 
you know, the encouraging one, the the teaching one, um, the strong one, I I would have continued that. I don't think I knew any other way. But when my body started telling me, you need rest, you need joy, you need beauty. And why is it so hard for you to say no? Why is it so hard for you to um, maybe connect with others without having to serve them? I don't think I would have ever explored the other parts of my identity if I didn't have the anxiety and the panic attacks. Yeah. Because it was working fine for me. It's very well rewarded at work, in ministry, and even in friendships, you know? Yeah, people love it when you're the capable one, when you're the one who can caretake their emotions. And as as a therapist, like, (laughs) I mean, I get that identity very well. Like, I, I think, I mean, even this summer, like, I, I went through this season where my identity was so strongly tied to what I could do for people, you know, and it, it was, it was hard. It, it's just this weight that you get rewarded for, but it's also not what you're supposed to maintain and, and keep. And so I remember just having every day to wake up and just like, almost like a mantra say, I am worth more than what I can give to others you know, and then look for ways that I could even instill that and like, and reinforce that true identity in my life Mm -hmm. that I'm not just a compilation of what I can do for other people. And it's, it's, yet it's so rewarded if you can just maintain and manage. And it's just, it's so hard to fight that pull that you're told this is the good thing. This is a good thing, but you don't see it until you have that breakdown somewhere that this is not something you're supposed to manage. And so, yeah, it sounds like your journey through that has has been, I mean, mm-hmm. just really spurred on by by the panic attacks, the anxiety that you experienced, and it's just an amazing thing to get kind of clarity mm-hmm. through that. Yeah, that's an interesting thing because I was still like not really buying into it because I said to my therapist, I'm really honest with him. I said, <laughs> "Well, you're a therapist, of course you wanted me to go back in the past." Isn't that like the best thing you'd love? It's like, that's not what you study. It's like, go back into your traumas. I'm like, I don't need to do it. (laughs) And so like, I tried really hard to fight it, but it's like, no matter what I did, you know, I followed all the self-care, you know, um, you know, things I can do that are healthy for myself, but it just, it wouldn't go away. So Mm. it's like, I, I even went unwillingly, but he's like, it's okay. You don't have to believe it. He's like, we'll take care of this, you know, but um, it was interesting because I love uh, writing. I love stories. I love, like I was telling you, like reading is one of my favorite things to do. And he said, well, wouldn't you want to just investigate your story? Hmm. Like, why don't you think about yourself and your life and maybe just not think about it as you? And it's kind of like going through this journey of t- talking to my younger self. And mm-hmm. Lori and I were talking before the podcast began. It was like my way of I think God was kind of being sneaky because he was like, okay, well, why don't we go back and look at some of these scenes and then you can write a letter to your younger self and actually turn out to be me today. Mm. I didn't know. Mm. What do you mean by that? It ended up being you today. Well, at first I was just kind of going back in the past to look at the little girl and the things she went through. And I was kind of like, oh, gosh, she's like, I don't really have time for healing. Like, I'm a mom. I have two boys. You know, I have all these things I want to do. It's like healing so inconvenient, you know. So I'm like, oh, okay, yes. I got to do it for her. <laughs> but as I went back to the past and kind of see what she went through, it turned out that I didn't know this. I adopted a lot of the things she went through, and it was impacting me as an adult. Hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And one of the most powerful um, chapters, I'm doing a online book club with my readers right now. It's uh, called The Vows That We Make. And it's the chapter where I was sick as a little girl. And because we live below the poverty line, we didn't have health insurance. So my mother, um, one day out of the blue, she drops me off because we need antibiotics. I'm Chinese American. So we we did a lot of Chinese medicine, herbal medicine, mm-hmm. and that helps. That usually helps like 99% of the time. But for the 1% of the time where you need antibiotics, you have to see the American, I'm doing air quotes, American <laughs> doctor. So my mom just dropped me off in the middle of this parking lot where my father worked. I hadn't seen him since they'd been divorced. My father never came back for me since I was seven. And um, she dropped me off. She said, well, look, whatever you have that's made you sick, now you gave it to your sister. You better go ask your dad for some money and don't come back into the car until you get the money. And I had no idea what would I even say to him. I haven't seen him for a long time. As I remember walking over to the restaurant, I was like, oh, gosh, I'm just trying to figure out what to say. I have no idea. And I step in there and they have me sit over, you know, where you get your takeout, you wait for your takeout Chinese food. I sat there and then he came and he said, what are you doing here? And I said, oh, I'm sick. I, I, I need money for antibiotics. And he's like, I don't have any money. Go tell your mother, don't come back for money. And he just like pushed me out the door. He's like, you shouldn't be here. This is where I work. And I remember turning to my father. This is the man that's supposed to like be the person to help me. I'm sick. And he says, I don't have any money. And I said, I can't go back. Mom says I have to. And that's when he pulled out the money. He just told me he didn't have it. And he's peeling off, you know, his, his, his dollar bills, his $5 and, um, that was the most humiliating moment in my life because you just told me he didn't have it. And then now he had it and he, he didn't even give me a lot of money. I, I was just wondering, like, does, he, does this enough for to pay for the doctors? And as I went back across the parking lot, I was just crying. I swore to myself, I said, I will never again ask anybody for anything. Even if I die, I'm never going to ask any for anything. And it's so interesting that I carried that into my relationship with God and my relationship with um, others. Like, I think that's the hardest thing is that I owe somebody anything. I don't ever want to be in that position. But, you know, once you hit hard times in life, God has to have me rewrite that vow. That, that's, you know, he didn't shame me. He said, okay, Bonnie, I understand you had to do that. But that, that's not the way I want you to live. You're going to have to let other people in. And that's a hard thing. But looking back now it's a good thing right i I can't have panic attacks and anxiety and raise two boys and have nobody help me i had to reach out and ask for help that's really powerful thank you for sharing that and reading it was really like oh i felt so along with you and now even more hey matt have you noticed i've been using a different bible lately i have is it a csb yes it's a christian standard bible it's the she reads truth one Are you telling me that you don't just talk about the CSB on ads like this, but you actually read it? Uh, Yeah, (laughs) I do actually read it. I'm reading the She Reads Truth one every day now for a bunch of reasons, but the biggest one is I love the margins. I love writing the date and some prayers and real life stuff in it. Do you write about me in there? Um, yes. 
like, thank you, Jesus, for how awesome my husband is dated every day of my life? Um, no. <sighs> okay, seriously, guys listening, I am loving not only the margins where I can write only gratitude to the Lord for my awesome husband, Matt, but I love that it was edited by women and the devotionals in it are actually uplifting and not fluffy or patronizing. And the timelines, each book of the Bible has this timeline that helps me to understand what's happening in this book in relationship to the rest of the canon of the Bible. Okay, fine. That's fine. <laughs> Even if you write real stuff about me in it. Okay, well, you can get one too and write real life prayers about me in it. You know your girl needs them. Yeah, well, I need them too. <laughs> so where can I get this Bible or another Bible like it? Well, you can find the She Reads Truth Bible or any of the CSB versions by hitting up csbible.com. What you said about the little girl inside and how we carry her, these little boys and little girls with us into adulthood, and even how annoyed you were at her. Girl, you speak in my language because in at least the last healing round that we actually wrote about in our book, I said to my therapist, like, she's like, don't you have compassion on that little girl inside? And I'm like, no, she's super annoying because she's making me stop. <laughs> so this is a performer to a performer, a, like a pleaser, you know, and wanting to get things done, high, high octane individual. But like you so wisely said, and what my therapist said to me too, was um, that little girl's inside of you. You can't ignore her. So going back, digging things up is only going to help to heal her, which by extension heals your adult self. But that is so stinking hard. Um, so I just want to affirm and see you in that and then pivot slightly because as you're doing these reflections and these letters to yourself, to your little girl, which is yourself, Jesus is always there. Like you're talking about Jesus. He's a part of your identity formation. This sounds like a dumb question, but I know it's not because I'm not going to shame myself as I ask it. <laughs> but why does Jesus have to be a part of our identity? Like, why can't we just look inward? This is who I am. I need to find me on my own. I'm free. Why does Jesus have to be a part of who we are? Wow. That's a beautiful question. Hmm, thanks. I, yeah, I think it's an important question. I never thought of it because, you know, Jesus is just a part of my life. So anything I do, he's always a part of it. But I was just thinking as you're asking me this, you know, PTSD is such a big part of our culture our culture, secular talk about trauma and PTSD. And I was thinking, that's a good question because what is it about having Jesus in this story, this narrative or this PTSD healing that's different from people that, you know, are obviously healing and needing to overcome trauma. So I think, I think the thing that probably I'm thinking right now out loud, why is Jesus needing to be a part of this? I guess he knows he knows that what we need when we open up that trauma is we need his love. Mm -hmm. And only he could speak into it because a lot of the aha moments that I discovered, as you read in each chapter, I only discovered them when Jesus entered into the scene. So the kind of therapy that I did was called EMDR, mm -hmm. EMDR. And so um, my, he's a Christian therapist, but every time we opened up a traumatic uh, scene and experience, he would invite Jesus into the scene. 
And when he showed up is when then I noticed something or I would realize something that I had, you know, taken on myself. And I can hear Jesus say, Bonnie, you, you don't need this anymore. I want you to, you know, do this instead. So I think that if I didn't have it, I guess I would open up my trauma, but I think I would stay in that identity. I think Jesus is the only one that can transform our identity and say, what was meant for harm, I'm going to use it for good. Mm. This, this is now going to be your superpower. So, you know, I'm talking about that vow that I made. It's become a superpower now as I talk to women or even, even um, men one of the first groups that I was invited to go speak on uh, PTSD, I was the first civilian to be invited by the U.S. Army military to go speak to the officers of the 101st Airborne Division. This is the renowned division in the military branch that you know took over Normandy, the beaches, and turned the tide of World War II. And I don't share pictures from it, you know, on my social media because we we cannot take pictures of the soldiers. But it's so interesting that God used that to transform into something that connects to other people. This is such a rich question. I said, what is the value made when you're in the heat of battle or when you lost something or when you're facing grief? And there's no shame in it because we have to. We have to tell ourselves something to get through it. Those are the moments that God wants to transform and use it to then invite others into safety. And I don't think that if we didn't have Jesus, I don't think so. I think we would just keep building stronger from what I observe in our culture. It's like, okay, if this thing happened to you, okay, you're going to use this and now you're going to be stronger. <laughs> you're going to be the better version of yourself. It's kind of like 2.0. And actually that is just a really a sad, burdened way to live. Because if you go through trauma, you don't have Jesus, you're going to have to be a better version than what you were before. Ugh. Yeah, pressure. Right. And then you're going to be making decisions again based on another false identity. And everybody's going to have a different version of it. What is that? Is it going to be romance? Is it going to be, you know, money? Is it going to be power? Is it going to be family? And we all know families are not perfect. We know that. Oh, my gosh, there's so much, (laughs) you know, there's so much in there. You, You cannot attain perfection. So we're constantly chasing so I think if we don't have Jesus, we constantly have to get the better version of ourselves, better version of our finances, health, um, you know, all these things that are unattainable. But if we have Jesus, we say, you know what, I can't do it. And the beauty is that I don't have to do it all. Life can be beautiful, even if it's not perfect. Yeah. I think that is the freedom. That's the legacy I can leave with my children. So Lori, I, I relate to you because before this journey, um, if my, like my son just came home. He was very grouchy yesterday because this week they have soccer tryouts. He's in high school. I have a 13-year-old and a uh, 15-year-old. The old Bonnie would be, okay, look, you know, what kind of homework you have, focus on your work. You're already doing the best you can. You know, if you want to, you can always practice it. I would tell him what he needs to do. But now the the new Bonnie, because that's what I told myself. That's how I grew up. Right. Okay. If, if, if I was, you know, facing some kind of trouble or worry, I would just tell myself, Bonnie, get it together. One, two, three, four, go do it. But now when Josh came home grouchy, you know, I said, oh boy, I must have had a rough day. He's like, you know, he's grumbling. He doesn't want to talk to me. Right. I don't need him to talk to me. I said, okay, well, you know, 
Um, just relax. In about half an hour, I'm going to make some uh, cookies. It's going to smell so good. You're going to love it. Mm-hmm. Okay, whatever. You know what? <laughs> guess what? Later, we got the cookies. Um, we got the milk. And you could just see his shoulders dropped. Mm. His shoulders dropped. So it's like, I understand that because that's really what I long for. You know, as I went through and done trauma, I'm like, I really wish I had somebody that I could just come home and just drop my backpack and just completely ball. (laughs) And if there was somebody that makes me cookies, oh my God, that would just be amazing. So those are kind of some of the things that came out from therapies. Like, wow, the things I really long for were so simple. Mm. So it's really like now I, I have so much love for the cookie. Like this is so holy. The cookie is holy. Preach. You are not <laughs> wrong. My two-year-old all the time, make cookies, mama, make cookies. He only likes the dough and he's very depressed when I bake it, but whatever. We're going to keep doing it. <laughs> exactly. I think that's where life is beautiful, right? Mm-hmm. If, if someone came up to you, maybe at the start of the, the, just the beginning of their journey saying, I don't really know who I am. You know, I, I haven't gone through this process of really connecting my identity with Jesus. Like, what would be your kind of, your, your first step for them? Okay, so for me, I'm a soul care mentor. And so what we would do is I actually do a mosaic. And I did this with the officers because they're so strong. These are not the infantrymen. These are not the front line. These are the people that call other people in battle. They shoulder so much responsibility. You know, we never get a chance for somebody to say, hey, what would you like to do? What makes you happy? What gives you peace? So I do this mosaic. I uh, I did this. Guys loved it, by the way. Um, we just kind of looked through. And what are some of the things that you loved to do when you were a kid? What are the things that you, you, you wish you could do? Like, say you just have total permission and, you know, there's no limits. What are some of the things that you find funny? And we, I just have certain categories, you know, we're talking about foods, music, um, you know, uh, sports, you know, all these different categories. And we just did like a total like mosaic of it. And then we would just start, we just start going through them one by one. So I would, if I was their soul care mentor, that's what we'd be doing, you know, in each session. And I do this even with my friends. My friends are just like, oh my gosh, I'm just completely exhausted. There's no end to whatever parenting issue there is or like, you know, a certain job that's just feels dead end, but you can't move right now with pandemic. You're, you're just stuck. And I was like, okay, that thing is not going away. We can hold both brokenness and beauty. So like, let's, let's find out, you know, what it is that might be fun for the weekend, or we can plan ahead. Research shows that even thinking about the weekend, planning for the weekend, it brings serotonin. It releases serotonin into our bodies. Mm. So just anticipation of it. And there's a flip side when we anticipate and we obsess over worries, um, it, it it creates um, and you would know it creates cortisol. So uh-huh. we need to f- know that as much as we have brokenness, we have unfixed problems. It does not disqualify us from choosing things that bring us beauty, peace, and joy. And in fact, many of us feel like, well, since it's momentary, what's the point? It can't change anything. That is not true. So this is where the engineering me kind of kicks in. It's like research shows (laughs) that even 10 minutes of being outside in nature does more for releasing dopamine, which is a mood and boost booster and serotonin than one hour at the gym. Mm -hmm. Now the gym obviously helps us with cardiovascular health, but there are things we can do to help lift and boost our moods. 
when you're depressed, you'll argue, what's the point? But when you have somebody that's an encourager, that's championing for you, which many of us who are the leaders, encouragers, maybe we never had someone like that. So we had to step up. So we have to kind of reparent each other. We have to cheer each other on. We have to be brothers and sisters saying like, you know what? You can be, you can, you can talk about what might seem silly, but I always like to talk about this. The scriptures say that we're to grow in maturity in Christ in Colossians, but the word maturity, the root word is, is wholeness. Hmm. It's wholeness. It's not about, you know, leaving childish things behind. It's wholeness. So for those of us who maybe uh, had to grow up fast, didn't have much of a childhood. Maybe those of you uh, that are listening, you've had a lovely childhood, very loving parents, but maybe they passed on. Maybe there was um, when you went to school, you went to work, maybe in your marriage, you, you picked up a different code and you lost that part of yourself. We need to regain those parts of ourselves to be more whole. And that means we need joy. We need peace. We need permission to give ourselves grace, even in the midst of hard things, even in the midst of imperfection. So now when my friend, um, whether, like I said, parenting or work, I'm just like, okay, you know, cause I've been through it. So I know I'll say, okay, we're going hiking. We're going to choose, you can choose which weekend is good for you, but we're going to go hiking with your family or um, the ministry that's come out of this uh, healing journey of panic attacks and anxiety on the other side. I'm like, my husband and I now have a waffle pancake ministry. Because <laughs> my husband, he's an introvert, so he doesn't really like chatting that much. It's hard for him. It's, you know, it takes a lot out of him to chat with strangers. So I, but he loves making waffles and pancakes. So while he's making waffles and pancakes, you know, I'm more the extroverted one, you know, old chat and stuff. And then it takes a while, you know, to eat waffles and pancakes. We have all this fruit and we'll have everybody cut up fruit and, Hey, it's great. You know, like here in Silicon Valley, here in this busy, busy world, we're having waffles and pancakes. That Mm. is a beautiful thing. Just like the cookie. Waffles are also holy. Oh, (laughs) that's my second favorite thing to make right now. So I think we need to hang out right now. Man, this has been really a beautiful conversation and journey. And I know, you know, guys, go pick up our book if you want to hear more of this. Um, Really practical like I, I, there's some things I took away that I'm like, ooh, I want to implement that, which is part of your soul care work. I do want to ask you this one. Uh, no, this is the second question that we've been asking everyone this season, which is this, you know, based on everything we've been talking about, just where God has been moving in your life and teaching you, why is Jesus worth following still? And maybe especially now in 2021? Wow, that one's that one's really exciting. Mm-hmm. I, I just I love talking about Jesus. Um, when I well, I happen to be an author, so it's, it's a little like it's it's fun for me because anywhere I go, I always just I always slip and I give this challenge to my readers as well. I said, okay, this week your challenge is to tell somebody about what your parents did, uh, what were their jobs, and when you were a little girl or a little boy. And I bet you they're going to tell you what their parents did. (laughs) I love following Jesus because it's such like a door opener. Jesus is not afraid of brokenness. He's not afraid of our sad stories. He's not afraid of our struggles. He's very comfortable around it because he, his love, his kindness, his gentleness. He knows that listening to somebody is holy work. He knows that popcorn and having popcorn, having movie night, having cookies and waffles, all the things that connect us as human beings 
we love being able to share those things. So in the midst of somebody's grief, in the midst of trouble, you know, I love following Jesus because he always brings me to uh, people maybe that might feel like, you know, where else can I share this? Who else can I talk to? And Mm -hmm. I love being that person that they can sit with. I love it because I can share my own stories. I'm no longer just the strong one. I can say, you know, I understand. I I feel the same way. It's a struggle for me as a child or as a college or when I used to work, this happened to me. But, you know, I, I think it's it's a good reminder. It, it helps us to to lean towards the things that are important. And then we start shifting. We start talking about the beautiful things, the happy things. And, and then I learn more about what, what other people like to do. And then I'm a little adventurous. I'll actually maybe invite myself. I'll say, oh, can you're going to go pick peaches? I've never picked peaches before. You know, <laughs> next time you go, um, why don't you let me know? I'd love to join you. So it's it's a lot of fun. That's it's so a lot sweet. of fun following Jesus because he leads you to so many interesting people that live so many varied lives. Mm. So, Bonnie, you've written you've written your book or books that, that we've been talking about, Sweet Like Jasmine. You have your podcast the stress less podcast um where where can people find all of your things all the stuff about bonnie yes yeah, so sweet like jasmine.com that is the journey of going through like 27 areas of my life where i had to rewrite those scripts that we've been talking about and um if you go to sweet like jasmine.com you can also get a free guided journal And I know, Matt, you would love this. I know, Lori, you'd love this because these are the questions that I had to ask myself um, that resulted in this book. Hmm. And so uh, listeners, you I would love for you to have that because um, I know that your listeners get wellness, get therapy. So you guys will just like love it. It's so much fun. Um, And then um, the other place is Instagram at the Bonnie Gray. I love being able to share things that help empower you in your identity because so much of Instagram is a, is the opposite. Like, mm-hmm. look at how great this is and look at how great my life is. And it's just not reality. Um, obviously it's fun for, for some areas, but I think it's, it's really all studies show that it's toxic because it's mm-hmm. natural for us to compare our, our inner life with somebody's outer life. <laughs> Yep. Um, and so I just hope that I can be that voice of encouragement. And my podcast, I share a word of affirmation as the beloved, our true identity, and I pair it with an action you can take that will help release good hormones, the happy hormones, the serotonin and the dopamine. So mm. uh, those are that's something that I really love inviting people to join me in. Well, that's what's up. All of that. Uh, I'm like, yes, I'm, I need to go listen to that and get that encouragement. But thank you for your words of encouragement today, uh, both practical and deep and vulnerable. And you're full of so much joy, which that is just such the fruit of the spirit of having gone through so much pain. And yet there's joy. And I can, it's just not false joy. You know, we don't know, know you, but you could just tell. So thank you for sharing that joy in your real life with us today. I know. Where are you guys at? We need to have like breakfast together. I can tell. I'm like, I want to like have you on my podcast. I'm like, I need to hear your story. Well, uh, it's so much fun to be here. Oh, well, we're so glad to have you. We'll, we'll make sure someone sends you our story and you're welcome to check it out. But man, thank you again for yours. You are a gift. 
Thank you, Lori. Thank you, Matt. Thank you again, Bonnie Gray. And guys, go live out the good news of the gospel in a world desperate and hurting for it, which today that might be you, desperate and hurting for it. So go go hang out with Jesus. Let him hold some of that pain with you. So for all of us here at the Hole in My Heart podcast, we will see you actually not next week. We got a couple weeks off, but we'll see you in a few weeks. <laughs>